0: Hello, everybody and welcome to a bonus episode on the Best Side Podcast. Very excited to be invited to go and see some of the girls uh, that are lighting up things here in Taranaki when it comes to mental wellness. Um, which I'm loving that term by the way girls, I'm going to start using that too. Uh, but I know there's a lot of people so... Okay, Girls Minds Matter. It's a movement that is happening at the moment. Once again, that is called Girls Minds Matter. Uh, It was put together by an epic crew of wahine, um, here in the Taranaki area, that are wanting to contribute and help out and put some things in place that they wish were in place when they were uh, coming through a lot of their struggles. So here, you're gonna hear them talk about their struggles uh, and talk about what they're planning on, to, on doing with this movement. Now, this isn't a quarter; where I sat with them exclusively. This was a community-held event, um, which they spoke at, they created and they spoke at, and they wanted to introduce their co-papa to everybody That was available to attend. And I know, I know there's a lot of people who would have wanted to go, but couldn't go or didn't go. I know a lot of these mental health things people sign up for and then they pull out in the last two or three days because, hey, you know, a lot of people go through a bit of anxiety or they don't like being around people. Like you can just have one of those days. So that is exactly why um, I asked permission from them to record their corridor. And then be able to put it here for people to log into. If you're one of those people that missed out, if you got a bit fuckama, if you got a bit shy, a bit paranoid, a bit scared, um, if you had some things going on then you couldn't make it to the evening, this is for you. Girls' minds matter, uh, Girls' minds matter, uh, right here on the Best Side Podcast.
1: Welcome. Um where to start I just can't believe there's so many people here I was not worried but I thought oh a few friends might show <laughs> maybe one or two teens that have been dragged along mostly mine <laughs> um, so thank you I just I guess like to first of all say thank you so much to Johnson Corner to Elle and to Adnan who have given us this fantastic venue for the night um, they've also been really kind to sponsor me a desk um, over the last little while and i cannot believe how productive i am when i don't have laundry to do and <laughs> food to eat in my own kitchen and you know bits and bobs so thank you so much to Elle. and um, to introduce myself i'm sorka um i'm the only non-taranaki member <laughs> and i couldn't really have come from far, further away. So I'm Irish. We came about six years ago, myself and my three girls and my partner, Shane, who is trying to make up the quota of males here. <laughs> Not really working. Um, and, yeah, this is our home now. Um, and I guess as we settle um, and I get to know more and more people, I'm a midwife, and, and so I just really got to know people on a a pretty intense level i guess in my job and you know even seeing tonight i am that girl who's normally around the food table i don't do small talk so fair play and thank you to anybody who is like me who really struggled to come tonight and thought oh god i'm gonna have to talk to people or like yeah will i know anybody here or i'll just drag along a friend i i am that person so i am normally in that back row with those girls, and definitely not center stage. Um, I'm also not much of a rehearser, so the girls all said just speak from the heart tonight. And so that's, I guess, what we're all going to do. Um, This is Brooke, um, Brooke Barrett. This is Elle, Elle Baluchi, who I still know as Dunlop from (laughs) the old days. Um, Michelle Matangi and, and Kayla Pritchard. And I guess, where to start with this? We could start way back um, with my own story but i'll tell that in a little while but um i guess when i got to know L as a midwife we had some pretty open and honest discussions about her life and um, as she was preparing to become a mum. and i thought well you could bite the bullet and be honest too, and not just wear the mask of a midwife, the mask of a professional. And so I decided that I would be brave enough to be her friend, you know, and for her to be my friend. (laughs) Um, And so I told her my story too, or as much of it as I was kind of ready to share. And yeah, it was amazing having that relationship and yeah, that friendship as she became a mom and just Watching how she grew into that role was just so beautiful and congratulations to Elle. She just had her second um, beautiful. Year. Um and so I guess we started talking about what you you know what we what we wanted to do with our lives, what life we wanted to create and um Mental health and mental well-being is always at the forefront of my life. Um, I've struggled for so many years myself since I was a pretty young girl, really. I would say young teen, but I think it started a lot younger than that. Um, And then struggled all through my teens. I'll tell you a little bit more about it in a little while. But then um, when I moved to Taranaki and I was working in a pretty stressful situation, I couldn't believe how all those issues just rose up again for me. Um, And I became that really, really anxious, overwhelmed woman this time instead of a girl, you know, in my mid-30s, like, just panicking, panicking for no reason that I could understand, you know, in my driveway, about to drive somewhere and thinking all these feelings of doom and not understanding and so had to kind of go back and revisit my healing journey i was like i can't believe i have to do this again (laughs) you know and so i really realized that maybe i hadn't had the support that i needed the first time around um and so i guess i decided that it wasn't too late for me i mean i'm much better now and we'll talk about that in a little while but i realized that i wanted to create with with these girls, what I wish I'd had so many years ago, um, which I guess is a family of friends, um, you know, a really true sisterhood, um, and so I know quite a few teenagers from my own daughter and her friends, and through friends and their daughters, and I through hearing everybody's story, realized that there was just so many common threads. Um, It sounded like, you know, we were all living the same life, you know, and just wanting, wanting that, I guess, that sisterhood that's like in the movies, you know, that friendship where, yeah, you are so honest and everybody, you know, they have your back. And I realized that you can only, I guess, make those connections when you have that connection with yourself and that takes a lot of healing, it takes a lot of work I guess and sometimes we don't even know where to start with that work, we just don't, we're a bit lost and I think that when we started talking as a group um, that really came to the fore is that we wanted to create a community that not only allows for a true connection with others um, but true connection with ourselves um, and so that's yeah that's what we're hoping to start I guess I'd also like to just put a little caveat that the reason that it's girls minds matter is because I come from a household of only girls I only have girl children I really only work with women I know partners are there but You know, I and so I really don't know guys, you know, and when Shane and I talk, his experience as a teenager and as a man is just so different. To what I know and what I recognise in my girls growing up. I'm like, oh I know exactly how they feel. And he's like, Really? I'm like, yeah. And so if anybody, you know, feels like they want to get a guy's minds matter or a guys group, absolutely we're on board to <laughs> Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> but I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I really acknowledge, you know, the the, the boys, the guys, the men who struggle, you know, with with mental well being, you know I really want to acknowledge those lives that have been lost um, to suicide in New Zealand. New Zealand obviously is so spoken about because it has the highest rate, only to be followed secondly by Ireland really coincidentally um, and so but what we do know from the research is that while you know the, the rate of suicide for men is much higher it 's actually women who struggle with ongoing mental health issues more. Um, and and that's I guess what we know um, in our group is we know women and we know what we wish we had in our own journeys and so yeah that's why we've chosen to kind of focus I guess on the girls Um, so we are hoping to open our space in late January, early February um, and it will be open for girls who are We've kind of put 12 to 24 um, as as our catchment group. That's not to say if you're older or younger you can't get in touch, but we just felt like it was good to put some kind of brackets around it because we actually feel like we'd really love this group to be us and our friends. (laughs) You know, and it was really like, (laughs) well, welcome. Yeah, all are welcome, and then we're like these Friday meetings, actually, they feel like a really beautiful hangout. And we were like, we're gonna have to keep this in check that we just go <laughs> not find all our friends and hang out with them in this beautiful space. So we have to keep our purpose true to our heart, I guess, and help our young women, you know, create the life they want, you know, and explore the life they want. And when you are in that place of darkness or angst, you're just lost and you can't even imagine a life, you can't imagine a future, you sometimes can't even imagine having hope anymore. And that's what we're really hoping to communicate and I guess connecting with these girls and, and with you all, no matter what you're going through, is that we have been there. Um, and almost couldn't imagine ever getting out of there you know, a couple of times. But there there is a way forward. And I just, I feel so grateful for my life. It's, yeah, so many times, I guess, I felt like I wasn't going to make it. And then I just feel so much joy every day, even just at little times. And it's those little times that matter, I guess. Um, and I think when you're a young person and you're, on your phone, I have to mention it, and the old highlight reel, you know, you think everybody is leading this amazing, dramatic, just out there life, and that's, I guess, not what True Joy is about. You know, we break it down to our friends and family, but really, you know, (sighs) I'm watching Ella laugh at me. (laughs) We're all guilty. So, yeah, that's, I think, that all I want to say and that I guess there is hope. I I am so in awe of these women around me and when I approached them about this, I did it tentatively. I didn't know who'd say yes and who'd say no and who'd say I'm too busy and actually they didn't you know and these are all very very busy women and that's the challenge here with mental well-being and mental illness i guess or helping somebody is that we're all really busy it's never actually that convenient to have these hard conversations they take time they take guts they make you feel really uncomfortable sometimes but you know, thank you to everybody who's shown up tonight because you obviously are the people that want to have these conversations and really, yeah, make the difference in this community. So thank you. Um, not that I ran out of things to say, I was just like, oh, stop talking, worker, for a while. Um. One of the things that we did, this is an introduction, this is not me talking again. Um, When we wanted to say who we were, was we put up on social media a little bit about ourselves and our stories of our past. And I was floored by how hard it was. Now, I talk about mental health every day of the week. I talk to my family about it, I talk to women about it, I talk to my colleagues about it, I talk to Shane about it, I talk to strangers about it, but when it came to laying myself bare, I was just, not stumped, but I was actually still carrying so much shame. And it was so much harder than I expected. And the girls and I are going to share our story tonight. And no matter how many times you've told this story, It can sometimes still feel so raw and so I just want to I guess say thank you to these four women for sharing who they are with you because it's not easy and and hopefully yeah it it might resonate with some of you and if any of you feel a little bit vulnerable after hearing the story or you know we use this word triggered a lot at the moment it's a bit of a buzzword but feel free to approach any of us afterwards and just, you know, connect in. Don't feel like you have to leave here feeling unsure of yourself or how you feel. You know, this is what we're here for. Even if you are not 12 to 24, mm-hmm. please feel free to, <laughs> do. yeah, just to let, to, to let you guys know that. Um, I think Ella's going to share a little bit of who she is mm-hmm. and where she's come from. Hi, everybody.
2: Thanks all for coming out tonight and um, supporting us for our vision. Oh, I'm sorry, I've got an eight-week week hold so if I kind of forget where I'm going I have a bit of baby brain. Um, but I think, yeah, like no matter how many times you share see your story, I often feel like sometimes I just want to leave my past in the past um, and forget about it and move on um, because it's not only emotional for myself but also for my whole family and the community that was around me throughout the years that I was struggling Um, so yeah it's hard to to, to revisit sometimes but I also know how important it is to keep sharing that journey because I guess um, that's what we're doing right it's about sharing some some insight or some understanding or some hope to those families or individuals that going through a tough time Um, and I guess I can be thankful for the journey that I've gone through because I am now up in front of this room full of people and I can and can give that hope to to someone and I guess that's what it's all about I feel blessed that I'm in the position to be able to to do that now Um, so I'll share a little bit about my journey it's kind of hard to summarize basically your whole life into a few minutes um, but I and Al, I um, lead a pretty normal life these days. I have an amazing supportive um, husband, we have two beautiful children, uh, we own this business together um, so yeah I feel pretty blessed to be at the stage in life where I am now um, but that's not always been the case, um, actually it's been kind of the opposite for many years I have struggled with mental, um, mental unwell- wellness, I guess, for around 14 years of my life. Um, as Sorka said before as well, that's sort of when I pinpointed it, but I think it was probably um, for a lot longer before that. Uh, I guess when I was younger, I always felt like I kind of never fitted into the world. Um, I was a very sensitive child and I think I built up a lot of those emotions and suppressed a lot of those feelings and didn't really understand them so I kind of bottled them all up and didn't know how to articulate or share how I was feeling Um, and then by the time I hit early high school uh, there were all these emotions and suppression of many years that yeah I didn't know what were and I was really struggling to know what to do with it all um, and now I look back I realise that i developed depression um, but it wasn't widely talked about back then so I didn't know it as depression I had many down days um, and there were days that I just cry and couldn't stop um, and I hid this from everybody and I didn't seek any help because I didn't know what I was going through uh, so all those feelings and everything were suppressed and then I found ways to deal with those emotions on my own um, and first of all that was through restricting eating um, I guess that it was an escape from my feelings so. When I was restricting my food, that was something else that I could focus on instead of those feelings that were happening inside me. Um, and then I developed bulimia, and that stuck with me for I talking to emotional others um, for 14 years. Um, it's) um, and you can see it's, it was uh, it was horrific, that's all I can really explain how it felt, um, it's like an all-consuming nightmare I guess, um, it took over my life, it was on my mind 24-7 and it was an escape from what I was feeling inside. Um, the, the, the the disease um, it it, w- it became my number one priority so I pushed all my f- friends and family out of my life um, because um, the disease wasn't the number one so if anybody knew about it then they discovered my secret sort of so I, I kept to myself very much and um, yeah I, I live with it Um for many years before it was sort of discovered, I can't find. Lost my tripod. So eventually, my family found out, um, and my family, I would just like to say, have been like the most supportive people throughout my whole journey. Um, and my parents really fought to to find me, find an, an answer. So for the next ten years, it was kind of a journey of um trying everything under the planet from uh, clinical support mental support physical support uh, holistic help Uh, we tried basically everything but the disease was so strong i was holding on to it um, and i don't think i was quite ready to to be well or accept that i had a problem um then and so it carried on for many years um when it became too much for my family because I guess with mental illness, it doesn't just affect the individual, it also affects the whole family and, and the community around them. Um, and it would become too much for my family really to deal with. Um, we would kind of come to um, a, a wall that we would tried sort of everything and we didn't, we weren't really getting any answers. And so I actually moved overseas to, to be away from my family and to, to try and start a new life somewhere else. And I guess that's where this whole um, not everything is always as it seems comes into play again because it was also a way of hiding what I was truly feeling inside. I portrayed to the world that I had an amazing life, you know, I lived on this beautiful island in Bali, I partied with new friends every single day, I had the picture perfect Instagram feed, I developed all these like little um, addictions I call them where I'd like brush my hair a hundred times a day and reapply my makeup ten times a day and, and wouldn't walk out the door until I was picture perfect because if I portrayed that image to the world then no one would know what was happening underneath and I guess that's really something that I want to get across to to people um, is that that's you know like I have come to that realization when I'm scrolling through social media and things and I see all these beautiful images of everything and I understand that there's a real human being behind that image and we all have ebbs and flows and highs and lows in life and no one escapes that. And I think that when I was stuck in my disease, it was an all-consuming, selfish sort of disease and it was all focused on looks and appearances and and it had become that. that, that is like, you know, that's just, uh, that's just the mask that we all, that we all put on. And yeah, there's always something going on underneath it. And we're all human, no one's perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I lived for many years um, behind that sort of fake mask and uh, it wasn't at all really, I hit rock bottom um, that we realized that this disease had become so much bigger than um, myself. I needed help really to to be able to to live because if I didn't make any drastic changes then I was probably going to die the way that I was going. Um, I had developed real uh, addictions to um, prescription medication at this time. I was drinking, I was starting drinking in the afternoon and drinking until I put myself to sleep. I couldn't leave the house without taking my prescription medication. Um, Every time that I wasn't drinking or on drugs, then I was just having like a severe panic attack. I couldn't leave the house, Um, so I was relying on all these escapes and I wasn't facing um, the truth or the reality um, or the feelings that I was going through. And so when I hit rock bottom, I came back to New Zealand and that was sort of the beginning of my healing journey. I went down to a live-in therapeutic community in Dunedin and it's kind of hard to articulate or explain the significance of those of that time. Um, it would have been the hardest time in my life because if you can imagine escaping for 14 years of your life escaping from those emotions and that pain that you're feeling and um, through all these different vices and then going to this place and actually having to look at yourself and look at those feelings and and uncover the truth um, with no vices with no escape though there heavy days there were days that it was just full of um, individual therapy group therapy small group therapy large group therapy um, a little bit of um, therapeutic mindfulness and things mixed in between it but it were full-on days and i just remember for the first couple of months i would pour myself a bath at the end of the day and lock myself in the bathroom and i would literally scream and cry Um, and that would have been the hardest time you know i'm a mother now and i've given birth and everything but this was like yeah this was really hard um, that it was the first time that I was actually feeling those emotions too which was actually great Um, it was the first time that I'd cried in so long because I'd I'd just lost all true like all essence of who I actually was Um, and I was a mere shell of myself really Um, and to have to sit with those feelings and understand all the hurt that I had put onto other people um, all the lies the deceit um, It took a long time to forgive myself really, I think that was the hardest thing, Um, but then it was also the time in my life where I started opening up and being vulnerable and looking at what my values were and who I was as a person and then that started opening up, uh, opening myself up to other people and connection with other people. and I'm aware that I don't have like a huge amount of time. But I think that my takeaways from my journey is that it's that vulnerability. It's opening up, and it's like looking at your true self, um, and understanding who you are. And when you can understand who you are, and or, and and be vulnerable to that person next to you, and and speak speak your truth, and open up, and say, Yeah, I've done this, and 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 forgive yourself, and move on. Um, and then that vulnerability and that openness allows that other person to open up and there's a connection there um, and it's through those connections that I've been able to heal myself um, the, the, the healing journey is not linear um, but those are definitely the, the key things I think as soon as you can realise that you are struggling and you can and start sharing it with other people you then realize that you're not the only one that is suffering you know every single human being suffers we can't escape it um and then you can have those commonalities and 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 realize that you know we're all here we're all going through this journey of life together it's not easy um and then that opens up that connection to heal there's so many other aspects of wellness as well that you can incorporate into your life but those were definitely my um, key takeaways and I know that mental wellness is an ongoing thing you know it's something that you kind of have to work on every day and look after yourself Um, but yeah that's a little bit about my journey.
3: I'm next. Um, so I'm Michelle. I, um, again, like our oh, it's very hard to put a whole life into five, ten minutes. I'm not quite sure how long I'll go for, so just nudge me if I feel too much. So I'm 38. I'm married to an amazing man. Um, tomorrow we've been together 20 years so since I was 18, everyone goes to me, we like, how old are you when you got (laughs) together? But no, it's 18, um, I've got two beautiful dogs, I've got a pretty cool family, um, an amazing network of friends, and I run my own business, kind of two businesses. I do some coaching, and I also um, run a clothing alteration business. So I wasn't always, you know, bubbly and outgoing like I am now, I certainly had my struggles, it's always hard to pinpoint like you said a time when you really noticed the things were kind of falling apart for you or that you were really struggling and I do have the recollection of being eight years old on a family holiday um, my father was bipolar and um, back then it was manic, depres- manic depression but now nah, bipolar schizophrenia and an alcoholic so um, it was a pretty volatile situation to grow up in um, He got sick when I was three and um, that's kind of my whole childhood was just on, you know, walking on eggshells, all sorts of pretty volatile stuff. But we had this one family holiday that we went to, it was actually at Fitzroy Beach, we were from Stratford, um, and I encountered what i would call now as my first real panic attack and i'm not talking about the panic attack that you see on the movies where they're like "Oh, i have a panic attack it's not that it's where you're literally cannot breathe room spinning don't know where you are um, terror like actual terror and i couldn't articulate that at the time i just remember being in the toilets and basically not being able to move very well anyway my father got sent up to Auckland because it was a really crisis situation and basically from there it was just yeah a lot of that kind of situation but really it came um, really to a head for me I guess when I was sort of 13 and sort of went off the rails and found my uh, you know it's that typical like daddy issues and then like go and find men to <laughs> latch to, which um, was easy as a 13 year old with a developed body and attention and that was what I sort of grasped at and found my worth in Um, which now obviously it's been a really long winding healing road but um, I uh, thankfully met my husband when I was 18 and really Interestingly, it wasn't until I hit 21 is when I actually was in, um, I've done a lot of different jobs, I've, done, I've worked at McDonald's, I've just done so many jobs, do- I just never could find where I fit. I never felt like I fit anywhere. Um, and I know a lot of people actually feel that way. Um, it's not till now I'm an adult that I know that people do feel like they don't fit a lot of the time, but we all actually fit and we fit together, but at the time you can feel very isolated and like you don't belong. And... I remember, um, you know, all these different jobs I went into and I was just always sort of like, oh, I'll give anything a go, like I did horticulture, I did all this sort of different stuff and I was like, find my way somewhere and somehow I'll find my purpose. Um, and I went into this job um, at a web posting company and this is like back, I was 21, so this is 17 years ago, and this is when the internet was first, like the internet, so this is like pre-Instagram, pre anything and um, it was cool, like I got this great job opportunity, but I was in this environment um, that was really toxic. Um, one of the women there was actually um, a drug addict, and you know, I was encountering this kind of, you know, her coming into work being, really on a downer, you know, in the start of the week and then by the end of the week she was on and up again because she was about to go on and out. But I couldn't articulate that at the age of you know, 21. I didn't really understand what was going on. I just knew by the end of two years I was basically had gone from being happy bubbly Michelle to couldn't cope. I, you know, would go on the lift and I had panic attacks left I was just a complete mess. Went to the doctor, he put me off work, and I basically didn't leave the house. I was um, just a mere shell of myself. I didn't understand what had happened, why I was so depressed, um, clinic, clinically depressed, so anxious, couldn't go to the movies, couldn't go for dinner, couldn't. I barely left the house. It was a really, really, really tough time. Um, and my husband, now who was with me at the time, um, you know, was he never really understood it. He he does now because he's gone through his own thing. But um, back then, it felt like no one got it. Like, and I, I went to therapy, and I went to this this one guy who was like you just need to learn to meditate <laughs> and which now I actually yeah. say that to everyone but but back then I was like oh my god and Like he picked me out in the room and was like you're not meditating you're not sitting still and at the time I was literally having a panic attack and just like bolted out of the room so <laughs> it was just this really bizarre time in my life and I just remember laying in bed and just wishing I could die and I would never forget how lonely that felt And I think when you've hit that point where you feel like no one wants you around or you, what is your purpose, are you ever going to have any hope? Is anyone ever going to be able to save you? No, no one is coming to save you, you have to save yourself. And I think it's not until now I can look back on that and realise I was so stuck and so trapped in what I thought was my reality, which is my perspective was so, so dark. and I did, I felt like I had lost hope. I, you know, there was all sorts of support around me, but just nothing was really helping. Um, and really, um, there's a lot that has gone on I don't have enough time to cover everything. But um, I basically um, kind of got to the point where I had had enough of feeling so, just like I didn't I, I couldn't take ownership for myself and like what was going on like why was I suffering like was why me why me why is this happening to me and through a lot of healing and a lot of self-discovery um, I've had some amazing work actually with Megan here who does cranial sacral and she actually really helped to release a lot of trauma because I just held so much trauma um, and I didn't understand that I was like what do you mean like doesn't everyone go through this sort of stuff no they don't but you know like people do go through a lot of tough stuff um and i think it's not until you can see that yeah it's tough but we are we are stronger than we are weak and we can heal ourselves and i like Al said i it's still a day-to-day Thing that i have to manage i still have to manage my mental wellness um i haven't had a panic attack or i haven't suffered really bad anxiety or depression in a really really long time and i'm so grateful i'm so thankful to being well but that doesn't mean i could ever be like un- you know like i don't think that we are immune i think a lot of people think oh well like that's never going to happen to me or you know oh like well i'm not in that situation so therefore it won't happen but i can tell you now if you be if you're put in a in a high stress environment or you put in a pressure cooker environment you'll crack <laughs> because we are not like we're not machines we're human and we are flawed and you know emotions can sometimes get the better of us um so yeah now it's a it's a daily practice, I, I meditate, I'm very conscious with my thoughts, I have a lot of support around me, these beautiful women, um, a lot of amazing friends a lot of family and I'm pretty open with this stuff, I'm pretty vulnerable about it now and I think that was a massive part of my healing, is just sharing and realising that like, you're not alone I think is just I think we all can feel alone at some point in our life depending on what we go through but we're all one, we're all connected and that is something I just always remember, even when I'm having the days where like the little negative self-deprecating thoughts are going, you're not enough, like you're not good enough, you're not this enough. You know, I always come back to like, oh, I am enough, I'm here. Like the reason I am here is because I am enough, just being me. It doesn't matter what I look like, it doesn't matter all of that, it's just that I'm here. Um, and yeah, through support and that's the vision I think that we all feel is that knowing that we face these adversities for a reason. like we you know our struggles are not for nothing it is so that we can help other people to know that they're not alone like you're not alone in your feeling of inadequacy or a feeling of anxiety or that you just are never gonna feel like you're part of anything but you are you know and so yeah i think that's something that we we all feel really passionate about is the vision to support and Help people feel connected and um, yeah it's pretty cool to see all these faces in this community like it's just it's really amazing so thank you so much for coming along
1: Mm -hmm. I wasn't at the meeting yet no, 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 no. <laughs> it's all good. I'll try and. Order the
3: Instagram. Order the Instagram.
1: Instagram. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay, well, I have actually never really told my story um, before, and so I guess I'll tell it today. Um, so, I don't know when. When things started, like I said, I have always been really sensitive, like the girls have said too, and never quite felt like I fitted in. Um, My parents, I also don't have a very good memory. Um, I don't remember a lot of my childhood. I don't remember a lot of my adulthood, um, which is a strange and kind of lonely place, and I think the girls have um, used that Word in their stories, and when I was listening to them, I think that that would probably characterise my life to date. um, Is is probably loneliness. Um, So when I was a kid, I was really outgoing, um, yeah, quite bubbly, lots of talking, lots of teaching. Apparently, my dad says I used to organise these clubs and teach people all kinds of random stuff. Um, But I had a couple of good friends when I was young, but I was the only. We were the only non-Catholic family in a entirely Catholic country, <laughs> um, and I. I think that. I went to I went to a German school in the middle of Dublin, which is also a bit random. So I didn't go to the local school, and I think through my childhood there were lots of little random things that made me feel like I didn't quite belong. Um, my dad is Polish, and people didn't even know where that was in Ireland. It was like somewhere weird, you know. And and so I had some good friends when I was young, but by the time I hit 11 or 12, I was no longer very sure of who my friends were as we were growing up. I started to feel like I wasn't sure if they were real um, or if they were talking about me behind my back, um, if they would meet up. I started to get a little bit paranoid quite young. and was in a in a pretty bad way by the time I was 13 and um, had my first suicide attempt which I've never really announced in public or on Instagram and landed myself in hospital and when we when we got out when my family brought me home it was like well let's not tell the neighbors where you were <laughs> and my family, I my girls will attest to this, are the most amazing, loving, thoughtful, conscious, well educated, fun family that ever was on this planet. But they just didn't know what to do. And now that I have kids myself, I think bloody hell, their terror must have been incredible to have this girl who seemed fine and then was just not fine. And so and um, obviously got linked in with all the services um, and I became somebody who was really adept at lying and just lied my way through my teenagehood. Um, gave all my power away. I was saying, we're thinking about having our photographs taken for this girl's minds matter and I just hate photographs. Anyway, they were saying, somebody will do your makeup. And I was reminded, I was telling this girl that, When we used to go out with friends, I used to say, oh, will you do my makeup? Just so that they could feel good about themselves. Um, I would get people to pick my outfits and dictate what I wore, where we went. I I didn't want to say anything for fear that it would be rejected. I just wanted to fit in. That was like my core, core aim of every day was just, to belong, to fit in, even if it meant giving up my whole self. And so, similar to Elle, by the time I was 14, I was restricting what I ate, and it was started as a little bit of a game, a little bit of an achievement not to eat, and that was how I started to feel good about myself. And so, when I ate then, these voices would come and just say how horrible I was, how repulsive, How undisciplined, you were never going to be any good. Look at you, you're just disgusting, you're so fat, you're so ugly, nobody loves you. It's just overwhelming all the time and, you know, it just extended into everything and then, yeah, similar in our shared story developed, yeah, into bulimia too and just Uh, like a constant, it is a constant voice in your head and it drowns who you are out you just don't know who you are you just yeah, it's all day and like food is a pretty big part of every day (laughs) so to choose that to control is like, yeah takes a lot of effort really and that voice just got louder and similar to Michelle you know, we just find Guys, and give them whatever they needed to make them seem like they liked me, um, and just again, just wanted to belong, wanted to fit in. Entered into some pretty not good relationships, um, you know. And when, when you, when you're, when you're telling yourself that you're no good, if somebody comes along and tells you you're not good too then it just becomes a cycle because you think they're right. And the little part of you, the part who is Sorka or who is yourself, is kind of like, mm, maybe I am OK. But it's quickly drowned out when you're telling yourself you're not and then other people are telling you you're not and your friends are kind of busy with their lives and nobody knows who you are. Um, and you're just dying for somebody to say, are you OK? Or pick up the phone and say, I don't know, anything real, but they don't because everybody's just busy and trying to survive. Um and so yeah, drank a lot, did a lot of stuff. Um that we all make jokes about, you know. <laughs> but it's a pretty scary place when you're fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Think we're really mature but actually You don't have a clue, girls. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, when I finished school, I left where I lived. I lived in a big city and I left. And um, that didn't work out and came back home and left again. Um, And I guess, yeah, the voices were still pretty strong. Um, I met Shane. And very quickly, we um, had Ella, who saved me. And <laughs> um, because realizing that there was something greater in this world than myself, um, realizing that I was going to have a child and that, yeah, this was going to be the most precious thing I'd ever done, have a purpose. and. When she was born, it was just amazing, you know, and just realizing that this person that I thought was so horrible had had made this girl, had made this child, you know, and so I was well in an everyday kind of way <laughs> and, and just threw myself into looking after and loving her as best I could and just kind of thrived on, that positive parenting and positive birth, you know, <laughs> activism, um, and kind of found my tribe there a little bit, but still, um, even though I ate then, honestly, I still had those voices in my head that were like, you're not good enough, you're not okay, you know, radi ratty, ratty, rah. And so, yeah, life continued on um, and I would be, like, I'm I'm a pretty simple person, like I find joy in lots of things and so I'd have lots of good days, but I'd also just have these times that were just so low um, and overwhelmed and life just kept going. And anyway, we moved to New Zealand and one of the things I guess I want to communicate to everybody here is that what the girls have said is that you can seem just fine on the outside a couple of years ago when I worked at the hospital and things were really high stress and um, I went really downhill again and had these like I can remember one night and I can remember talking to Shane and calling him and into the room like that I literally felt like stuff was coming out of my skin these like these I don't know I didn't even know just I just wanted to like just open up my skin to just let all this poison out and was Mm. just in such distress it's like not even imaginable and then you go somewhere the next day and you're like I don't know how you do it you're amazing (laughs) you know and you're like oh my god I am trapped I'm trapped in this image that i have created as a midwife and a mom and i'm really busy and everything's fine and look how busy i am and i'm so busy and look how I'm coping and actually i really wanted to die there's no other words i just wanted out i really loved my family but i just literally had no idea how i was going to continue and it was so lonely and that is the word when your mind is not with you and those voices come back so loud, is that it is so lonely. You don't you can't find yourself and nobody is coming to find you and and haul you out. And so um I guess let's stop commending people for being really busy, <laughs> you know. Um and so From that time I left the hospital and started working for myself and worked as part of a team. But it's really interesting, I again thought I was pretty open, but it wasn't for a very long time that I told them that I had anxiety or that I have bad days or anything like that. they were pretty shocked they were like really and i was like yeah (laughs) you know um and so we're all pretty good at putting up these walls and masks even when our deepest yearning is to belong to fit in to be accepted we are just masters of of making it look like we're fine you know and we hide behind our busyness we hide behind our our egos and our identities as mothers, as professionals, as, you know, whatever it is we build up. Um, And so for me, yeah, this group is about cutting through all that. Um, You know, and I can imagine, like, people walking by Johnson Corner tonight are like, wow, look at those five women up there wondering what they're talking about. And I bet none of them imagine that we're all, like, talking about this kind of stuff, you know? It's just... You think the silence is broken, but it hasn't been. You know, there's still so much shame. There's still so much stigma around this. And I think it's, it's just time that we, yeah, we cut that crap, really, you know, and realise that we're all, yeah, quite vulnerable um, in ourselves, no matter what it looks like. I did have a point to finish on, but I forget what it is now. Um, So, so I think. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, it was about it's about everyday work. Yes, and so I am really well now most of the time. Um, But absolutely, it takes work. I try and meditate most mornings. Changes. Are you meditating? Like "Mm, maybe (laughs) sometimes yes, sometimes no. I did this morning. you know, I've only recently realised how much movement is a part of that when weight and food is still a slightly quieter but still present voice in my head. I didn't want to obsess about exercise but actually I really realised that I was using that as an excuse and moving is really important. Um, and I can't believe how many hours in the day it actually takes to look after yourself. If you journal, if you meditate, if you try and exercise, if you try and eat well, like, bloody hell, the day's nearly gone. <laughs> you can't fit in morning, you can not fit in work. But actually, there's no way I now realize that I can stay well unless I become that little bit more selfish and just try and, and take take some of that back and self-care is a really big buzzword and some of it self-care is yes all those things I've just mentioned but sometimes yeah self-care involves other selves too you know other friends and it's not just all you so if you need to ask for help in order to do your self-care um, yeah please just be more willing you know because if you don't you can come join me in the lonely pit. It's (laughs) not a pretty place. Um, And I, I definitely think it's an ongoing thing for me, learning to ask for help and learning to connect in with people. Yeah. So that's my story today.
4: How are you all doing? (laughs) <laughs>
1: if
5: anyone down the back needs seats, there are a few empty ones up the front. They're just putting it out there.
1: And also, if anybody needs to leave, it's not rude. Yeah. Like, everybody has a life that if you need to go, we won't be any bit offended. Move <laughs> forward. Yep.
2: Sounds good to me. Thank you. Yeah. or
4: something like that. Do <laughs> <laughs> <It's like, laughs> you want to spot? <laughs> uh, maybe they will just wait, wait for some to find things. Um, cool. So, I, I definitely rock things. <laughs> I love getting caught up in everyone's eyes get distracted, but um, I, I'm Kayla, Kayla Pritchard, I am uh, married to Sheldon, I'm an amazing rock of a man in my life, and we have two little boys, Arla and Moses, and something else brewing here, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting like this, um, and yeah, I wasn't going to, uh, in my Instagram post, I didn't didn't go into heaps because I think my story is slightly different to a mental health journey that has um, these um, really intense aspects to it that these girls have experienced. But in saying that, not to minimise what I have had, um, so to, to share a little bit about that and then I'll check my page. Um, so I, from from the get go, I. Um, was a sensor I could feel what was in the room I could sense what was going on with somebody stranger um, don't freak out I'm not reading but <laughs> I as a child I could you know you hear of these children that walk in and they're like oh 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 like see 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 feel 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 and um, that was fine because as a child anything you're doing becomes more normal until you something intercepts or Disrupts that normality, and uh, yeah, I I, uh, through teenage years again, still like, yeah, I'm cool, like I just moved around friend groups and um, sensing and feeling and and seeing, but the the whole time feeling like there is nobody in this world like me, like (laughs) not in a, um, a selfish or Um, a holistic way in this I'm just gonna have to bottle all of this and not tell mum or dad or just not not even acknowledge and kind of be like two people so the person that can meet someone and hear and feel the pain that's in their life but then present a oh yeah cool how you going kind of front Um, so I was completely ill-equipped with a strength that I had, but that, until that is developed and harnessed and educated or acknowledged, it, it flips to being completely overwhelming and all-consuming and absolutely suffocating. So my sensitivities to to pain was so high, and, and then I journeyed through some of my own pain and I had um, years of different sorts of trauma of, of abuse, physical, uh, sexual abuse and emotional abuse. And again, because I was um, sensitive or I felt things in a, in, in, a, in a tense way, those traumatic events almost, I didn't, they happened, but I, it was like, oh yeah, this is happening. I see everything that's happening. Um, I'm okay, like, until you, you're really not okay. Um, and I sort of hit, um, I, just, I just hit reality in my 20s and um, I'm a very spiritual person and faith is a massive part of my life and I started thinking and seeing things in a holistic way and had incredible help with um, counselors and therapists and group meeting sessions like AA, but not AA, but just these you know, year long, like year after year of different aspects of healing and recovery. And I started to understand who I was and the pain that was uh, kind of um, partnering with this over sensing ability. So it was such a messy kind of spaghetti few years of um, sensing and feeling all this stuff trauma is happening but I'm really the only one that senses and feels like this so I'll just stay here and, and that's just not sustainable. Um, so I, I recognise pain, pain recognises pain and I now know how to harness that strength um, and I now work as a counsellor, therapist and um, I I I love that job so much. It um, embodies so much of who I am. I am a vulnerability freak. I I, I love authentic, raw, honest people. And I think because I can always, have always had a a way of seeing like, that's who you are, but it's not really who you are. That um, context, that arena gives me a voice to, go there with someone if if i have that honor that privilege so i yeah i I do that now and um have to have to harness how i see or sense not everyone is going to benefit from that but i i see things more holistically and i um um, have to sort of cap my empathy because otherwise i'm in the pit with them, <laughs> it's not helpful. Like I don't want you to be in this with me. Help me get out. So um, yeah, I. That's what I'm doing right now, and that's that's such a that's such a privileged honest, honor um, honor on role to be able to do. I love this. Oh yeah, I wanted to say uh, like a, a, a core value of mine, um, not, not only in my, the work that I do, but for me personally is, um, is honesty, is like true honesty, authenticity. And that took me many years to get to in myself of what's really happening in here. How, how can I truly look at myself and to be able to do that with others is um, like the, the top of my list on a daily basis is who, who I am without my masks. And for sure, there's places for, for boundaries always, but knowing that I'm operating out of a place of authenticity is, is such a huge core value of mine and a, a big part of Girls' um, minds matter and interestingly it sounds like there's a thread happening we didn't tell each other how we were <laughs> going to talk today but we all pointed this out as taking off your mask and um, unravelling fearful habits gives you the ability to to look at yourself which is terrifying when you're not in a good way but to also have the ability to share that with other people and when that happens, you have a connection, you have a um, a true foundation to move forward move forward together. Um, i I believe that that fear and terror and lies and misbeliefs um, and pain all they they hide in darkness that's they dwell in darkness and when we have the vulnerability and the courage or the help to bring bring it into the light bring things into the light that have never yet been brought into light then i believe we truly have have fellowship we truly have connection we truly have a place to love and serve and honor one another um, and to me that's there's incredible beauty in that um, it always is such a vulnerable, courageous step to do though, like to start that journey, to be... to take off those masks, to unravel that fear for yourself so that you can venture it with others is a, a massively <laughs> brave step. Um, so as a, as a beginning, I think it would be incredible. Our vision, our vision would be that... Um, Skills Minds Matter can provide a platform where that's accessible, where that opportunity and um, like safety is there to start taking off a layer, off a mask. Um, we can't jump straight into it straight away, but to have a, a, a platform where somebody could come and just take off a layer that they've never taken off before, in a place of, of safety is a pretty, um, I feel like that is, that's possible. Like when our, our, when we get together, our dreams and our goals are like here <laughs> or out the door, but reality is like that's, that's the first step and that's what I love in my conversations with clients, with people, is that the, the very first step is what's manageable, what can you unravel in safety, what can you look at in safety? And how do we just start with that first baby step? Um, I think I've said everything just in a different way, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm
5: lucky last. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I always chose the slight option of being last because sometimes I feel like it's the hardest one. But here I am. <laughs> Great. So we, when did we August. first meet August. to do that's August. So we first met in August. Um, we are still, as a group, learning so much about one another. Um, we know each other's stories to a degree, But I think an important message just in that itself is that we are always not only learning about ourselves, but we are always learning about the other people around us as well. Because we are all so vulnerable at different times with what we allow out alongside what we allow in. And just hearing these four amazing women speak next to me this evening, I've just found out more about them that I feel like I have known in the last few months. So thank you for being so honest this evening, Um, so Kayla's story is actually much like my own, each of yours is in a way, Um, I as a young girl I was always fun I always had a lot of confidence, I was always really silly, (laughs) Um, some would use the word a bit spastic, (laughs) always had a lot of personality but with that strong personality at such a young age came a lot of shyness and so I guess trying to find the balance between both of those was actually really confusing. So I grew up with three sisters, two really loving parents, now I have four really loving parents as well, and also two other little brothers, we're all a little bit spastic, (laughs) (laughs) all love to have fun, um, and I was very, very lucky to grow up with such a strong, positive family. But also growing up in such a strong, positive family, there's never a dull moment. And finding alone time within that is also quite a hard thing. I can Mm. imagine there's actually quite a lot of you from big families who would also understand that. (laughs) Um, So around the family, I was always really fun, really lively. And when other people were new to the scene, I would totally recluse like, we would go out for dinner, and I would be so scared to even ask for extra tomato sauce for my fries that I had to get my little sisters to ask because I would just, like, like, curl up into a little ball because I was so frightened just to even talk, just to even, like, say, more sauce, please. Like, literally, like, <laughs> three words. Like, <laughs> But I know also there will be more of you who are in the... Out there tonight, that will also have that same sort of fear. So, growing up, I, like I just mentioned, always had like a lot of, I guess, strong knowledge of um, my personality and who I wanted to be. And yeah, with that came a lot of confusion. So, I also, through that, was really empathetic. So, I would always look and try and find that in other people as well. So I remember being, I must have been maybe even only five or six and what I would do because I knew that I felt different to a lot of other people is I would actually walk around the primary school and look out for people who were maybe like looking a little bit sad or. Mm sitting by themselves or didn't have anyone to play with and I would actually go around and be like, be my friend, like, you're welcome. (laughs) And it was like such a nice thing, but through that also came so much loneliness. Um, Sorry. (laughs) So, I struggled that with a really, really, really long time and it wasn't until... I actually allowed myself that loneliness to fully understand it that I really came to appreciate who I was and so I'll kind of backtrack a little bit but so uh, I kind of lost all of my confidence around the age of maybe 13 14 so I kind of lost my voice. A way that I found my voice, um, a lot of you will know now that I love fashion and designing and personal expression. That was something that I would noticed that other people noticed in me when I was about 14, 15 when I lost my real like, talking voice with people. And that was something back then that I felt was something really important to me, even though I was struggling so much inside with my shyness because of what I was suffering with my anxiety. It's something that I'm still so strong about now is your personal identity and being true to yourself um, and personal expression. Um, so I continue to struggle for many, many years internally. Um, I kind of hit one of my rock bottom stages and decided to pack up my life and I ended up going to study fashion down in Wellington. Um, It was really really awesome experience because I met so many other people who were so um, emotionally um, and design driven Um, so it was something that I somewhere where I felt like I really really belonged but through that, I was still holding back a lot of emotion that I was, it was causing me a lot of heavy, heavy anxiety. Mm-hmm. I would have anxiety attacks um, multiple times a day. Um, one Christmas, I had mentioned to my parents that I wanted to learn how to play the harmonica. And so I was gifted a set of harmonicas and I for years carried one with me because I figured okay I'm needing to breathe I need a reason to breathe other than someone just telling me you need to breathe because we all know that that doesn't go down well (laughs) so what I would do is I would like remove myself from the classroom and I would just find a quiet spot and lie down and just play the harmonica. Like, I feel sorry for anyone that was around that actually had to listen to it. (laughs) But I would play the harmonica and that really just gave me like a reason to breathe and it was really, really awesome. Um, I continued to struggle really bad with anxiety and depression. Um, Days were so hard to even get out of bed. My whole body would just internally ache. Um, I couldn't open my eyes some days because I was just in so much emotional pain and terror. Um, And I was in my last year of university and I realised that I really did not understand my emotions. And I was starting to experience psychosis because I was so sleep deprived. I was having such visual nightmares that even in the daytime when I was awake it was literally as if my nightmares were still happening with these entities right in front of me so it was really 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 confusing Um, what I did is we had to pick a topic that we felt had some really strong importance to us for our final collection and I thought okay I need to try and tune in with what I'm emotionally experiencing. I didn't understand my emotions because I felt like they were all up here. I couldn't touch them. I couldn't feel them. So I was like, okay, I'm going to turn what I'm seeing and dreaming about into physical things that I can control. And so my end of year collection ended up being based on my nightmares and the shapes. And um, momentarily, it really, really helped me. It was really cool because I actually finally realized that I was totally in control of what was happening there and they went. Um, I finished uni, I was working for a store in Wellington at the time who eventually opened a store up in Los Angeles. So. some reason don't ask me why but I always thought I wanted to live in Mexico or LA again don't ask me why both cool places but (laughs) um, so uh, I found out that the store was opening up and I thought I'm going to go there I'm going to be there and I'm going to manage that store (laughs) don't know why I thought like that would pick me but anyway I started packing up my life so that if they said hey Brooke we're taking you to LA, then I'd be like, cool, I'm ready to go. <laughs> so I moved into a room. It was literally like a little sunroom. I would fit my mattress on the floor, all my clothes, cause I had probably about 10 times the size of a wardrobe that I have right now. It was literally like up above my bed on the ceiling. Um, let's be honest, most of it also on the floor <laughs> that I would sleep on. Um, and then I actually got the call one day and they said, hey Brooke, Um, The manager that we had in Los Angeles has just fallen through, we'd like to um, fly up to Auckland to see if you'd be interested in the job and I was just like, yeah I'll take it. They were like, "Well, do you want the night to think about it and I was like, no, I've totally prepared my life for this moment, (laughs) so I will gladly go. (laughs) Um, And so that was really awesome. So manifestation guys, (laughs) it's really important. still through this i was really excited because i thought okay i'm going to be moving somewhere no one's going to have any preconceived ideas of who i am no one's going to know like what i've been through how i've struggled none of that so i was really really excited for that opportunity part of that opportunity meant that i was going to a place where i didn't know anyone i was going to be alone Um, with that much anxiety that's a really scary thing Um, Before I left, I had a huge anxiety attack one day. And I think what really woke me up with that was that I had to make a change because if this happened when I was away, I might die. Mm -hmm. And that thought right then still sticks with me now that if I didn't make a change then and there, I might not be here today so I moved to Los Angeles Um, I got there I was living alone I was managing the store so I was the person that people would come to Um, if they had anything wrong I didn't necessarily have that person Um, I realized that I needed to create a lot more of my own strength and so I realized that i needed to become friends with myself and i had never really been a true friend to myself before and i was kind of thinking okay well i've always been really good at bringing other people in and understanding them and knowing their feelings and you know really making them feel accepted and so i thought okay how am i going to do this for myself so i started really listening to myself taking time out, really trying to understand me. So I started writing a lot. Um, I remembered I always used to write when I was younger. And then at school, one of my teachers told me one day that what I was writing was sad and that I shouldn't write like that again. So I totally stopped writing. Um, I also stopped painting for pleasure around then. I, I would only do artwork during art classes, which I really loved my parents will both know that that was the only classes that I ever applied myself in. (laughs) Probably a lot like some of you out there too, maybe. (laughs) Um, But yes, I really learned to understand myself through writing and painting. I would do a lot of self-portraiture. Again, I realized that I wasn't understanding my emotions and that I needed to turn them into something physical that I could understand again. one day, I was really hot in Los Angeles, sometimes in winter, it's like 40 degrees, it's ridiculous. And I really felt like this chocolate coconut ice cream that a dairy around the corner had been selling. And I was like, oh, I'll go to the supermarket because I need to get some other groceries as well. Went there, looked for the ice cream, they didn't have it, and it was so hot. I had all my groceries, I just wanted to get home. And I was sad all day and I just couldn't figure it out. And I was drawing this painting, painting this painting, I should say, of myself. And it was just so dark and horrible. And I started writing and then I was just like, oh, my gosh, am I serious right now? I wrote all I wanted was chocolate ice cream. And I was like, I've been that sad all day because I didn't get the chocolate ice cream that I wanted. I was like, well wake up call right there <laughs> it's okay you're allowed to laugh <laughs> um, and then that was a huge turning point for me because I realized that I had been sitting in South Pity for way too many years of my life um, a lot were really horrible things um, that I hung on to but A lot of the times it was the really tiny things like not getting chocolate ice cream that triggered back to the bigger, stronger, more horrible um, memories that I hadn't properly internalised and dealt with. Um, So I decided once again that I needed to make some really positive changes in my life. And so I kept writing, kept painting, I had one year left on my visa, um, and I thought it's actually time for me to make another change again. Like, I felt like my time there had been really well spent because I had come to so many positive realizations of myself. Um, When I was 17, part of actually funny enough, I set up a 10 year plan for myself. I thought it would probably take me until I was 27 to be well, um, to really understand myself and to be in a time in my life that I could step back, look at myself and see that I have achieved so much that I put out there and I turned 27 last year and looking back I have and had achieved every single thing that I had put out there into the universe that I wanted to do. And it was quite a big gift for me last year because mm. I realized I'd become exactly the person that I'd wanted to be. Mm. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks everyone. <laughs> um, so sitting here tonight, if I could go back and talk to even my 12 year old self, my 14 year old self and say you can do it. Sitting here tonight and talking to you all about how much I have struggled internally and be sitting here with a smile on my face, not even on the ground passed out is like to me like such a big thing so thank you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I remember being like 13 or 14, and I'm not sure if many of you had this, but um, I went to Girls High and would sometimes have motivational speakers come through and they would talk about their journeys, their experiences. And I remember just being in, in so much awe of them one day, thinking, wow, they are like real life superheroes. And I can only imagine ever having that kind of strength to be able to stand up Mm -hmm. in front of people and talk about that and say that and make other people feel like they are also so valued and important Mm -hmm. so being here tonight and talking to you all about this is such a privilege and also just the fact that you all came out tonight you're sharing your time you're spending your valuable time in here listening to these important stories we've all decided to share these because we feel like this connection is so important for everyone and so basically we now following on would really love to hear what you would have to say or what you might want from our organisation Girls Minds Matter um, possibly for individuals but also groups within the community so I don't know if the others would like to say more to branch on from that <laughs> awesome. I think
2: thank you. Yeah.
1: yeah thank you so much to everybody for sharing your stories when we were talking about this evening we really felt like um, some feedback would be so valuable. Like Brooke says, we're so grateful that you guys have come and I am constantly reminded that times have changed and teenagers are not the same (laughs) as when we were young. Um, And so if any of the younger people would also like to feed anything back to us about what they would like to see or they wish they had or anything like that. You can also write it on a piece of paper or get in touch, you know, by Instagram or anything like that. So if any anybody else would feel like they had anything that they'd like to share with us that we can move forward, that would be awesome. But if anybody feels like they'd like to tell us something, um, yeah, you, you don't have to do it. yeah, but. Yeah, I think that's, that's... So does anybody here not know
5: what Girls Minds Matter really is or what we are going to or want to achieve within the community? You don't? Awesome. So Girls Minds Matter is, well, we are, I guess, basically hosts um, for the organisation, I guess yeah. you could say. Um, we all, we, we're not health professionals necessarily, however we have Kayla who's um, in the industry. <laughs> um, we want to basically build like a, a peer support group um, for people to come. Uh, we have a space that we will be opening up, we're looking at having a open one evening a week. To begin to with. Begin yeah. with. Um, or one afternoon following on into the evening per week to begin with um, as a safe space for people if you're feeling vulnerable, lonely, you need someone to talk to, um, we're going to create a space which we have um, nice and bright and colourful um, to be a positive space for people to come to. We will have um, someone available to talk to as well Um, and we are putting connections in place that if someone needs further help then that will be accessible too. Um,
1: Does anyone want to add on to that? One of the things as well is that sometimes when you're feeling down or a bit anxious you just wish that somebody would ring you Mm. and you can't actually ring anybody, you can't ring and say are you okay if I drop around and sit in your living room and not speak Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe just cry Mm -hmm. and so It's also gonna be a beautiful space where you can just come and be. You don't have to talk, but you can just come and be as you are, be that happy, sad, panicking, goofy, you know, um spastic spastic. Um you know, it's gonna be a place to explore who you are, it's gonna be different creative projects that you can take part in or not take part in there's going to be movement that you can come to a yoga class and be as unflexible and stiff and you know as you are fall over and nobody can really do the tree pose
3: I'm um, gladly
1: to be the awkward person trying to
5: do yoga just to make everyone feel
1: better yeah and so it absolutely we're going to be there if you do Want to come and talk, and um, if you do feel like you want to take some steps towards wellness or being a bit more accepting of yourself, but it's also a place to just come and and be, come and read, come and play a board game with one of us if you don't know how to start a conversation, come and learn to sew, come and you know learn to take photographs, come and you know just. Yeah, to just be, and to be as you are, to not feel like you have to be cool or liked, anything like that, just just to be, I guess, is, yeah, what we're going to do. For oh, that age group. For that age group. I wish it was for us. Yeah. <laughs> we might have to open we another night. We might another one up. <laughs> but yeah, primarily, it's what we wish we'd had. Yeah. yeah. At that age, yeah.
0: And there you have it. Um, as you would have seen, it is a very rough recording. I legit just stuck my uh, recording gear in front of the ladies as they spoke, happy to catch over at that awesome corridor and find out about what they're doing and also pass on the movement to those that were a little bit embarrassed or had some stuff going on or just couldn't get to the event due to shit happening because we all know that shit happens but look go and check them out on facebook go and check them out on instagram uh, make sure you're keeping in touch with the whanau there at johnson corner because they are a big part of, of the movement that's going to be happening as well uh, make sure you're following best side we're going to get behind this kaupapa as much as we can too because it is an awesome awesome thing that is being put in place to help a lot of young women out there deal with the things uh, specific to young woman and even me as a man a lot of people question why i was there look men women are a part of my life too i have sisters i have mothers i have friends i've got all of their but i have nieces um, so i want to do as much as i can and i'm sure a lot of the males out there a lot of the tiny out there feel exactly the same so make sure you go and check them out it's my pleasure to bring you that bonus episode here with the best side podcast